Via Hemp, let's talk about it. Via Hemp offers THC and non-TH craft cannabis experiences. Now, I love a non-THC option when it comes to your overall wellness. I'm talking sleep aid, maybe anxiety if you have that. Well, that's where Via comes into play. And did you know even a non-THC option if you're doing fertility or IVF can be helpful? Look into that. Well, Via is incredible. You got to be 21 plus. You can get 15% off with my exclusive code TSFS when you go to viahemp, V-I-I-A, hemp.com. They have all kinds of lifestyle products. And like I said, the best part is with the THC or without, so you don't have the buzzy buzzy. Don't you love my cannabis lingo? I mean, the buzzy buzzy. Anyway, I'm unique. What can I say? Look, order now. You're going to love Via Hemp. Use the code TSFS to receive 15% off and a one-time free sample of their award-winning gummies, 21 plus. That's viahemp.com and use the code TSFS at checkout. Support the show. Tell them I sent you and enhance your everyday life with Via Hemp. Summer is almost here. Don't you want to go to the beach with thicker, gorgeous, beautiful locks and everyone goes, hey, I love your hair. And you go, Nutrafol, baby. You know, something along that lines. Well, take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering my listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and you enter the promo code TSFS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. I recommend it. I've been taking Nutrafol for years. It's how I got my hair back thicker and not falling out in chunks after I had KJ. Now it's your turn. Nutrafol has been on with me for years, and that's because you all continue to buy, and it really works. I love it. Now it's your turn to love it too. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code T-S-F-S. That's Nutrafol.com with the promo code T-S-F-S. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today on the podcast, Caitlin V. I had to do a little disclaimer because this is so not safe for work. I would hope, I've been podcasting nearly six years. I would hope to hail there isn't anyone that listens to this podcast in an office setting or at a library. That'd be that'd be really good. If you're listening to me at a library, I would, oh my God, fall out of my chair. Um that listens to this podcast episode without their headphones in. This one is not safe for work. Caitlin V is a sex um, therapist. She's not a doctor. She told me that. She's a sex counselor, longtime sex therapist. And she has a brand new show on Discovery Plus called Good Sex. And it is all about kind of common sex hangups. Maybe you were raised in a religious family. You can't orgasm. You're a guy. You have a hard time um, keeping an erection. Kind of everyday sex issues that happen in the bedroom only... Caveat, the couples that are on the show actually have sex on the show. Like we're in their bedroom and they're doing it so we can see their problems. 
Call me voyeuristic, but I love a sex show. So today I had to have her on. She is a longtime sex therapist. Um, and we just, we talk about everything under the sun from, um, Caitlin says why you should be giving gratitude and like talking to your like junk. I mean, the technical term is genitals, but who wants it? Like, isn't that so like your genitals? Like, who the fuck are you? No, you mean your your vajayjay? Yeah. She says that you should be chatting with your vajayjay on the daily. What? Just some of the things she comes up with uh, to me are so amazing. And I hope this helps you have great. Well, actually, she says something about that, too. She says we should not be saying to ourselves, have great sex. And she'll explain why. You should be having good sex, okay? Here she is. And check out this the show on Discovery Plus. Good sex. Okay. Anything I can't say? Can I say No. Oh, my God. You can say cunt and, and gangbang. And, okay. Yes. Should we all be having a gangbang? Should we start off with gangbang? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you're busy, so I'm sure you haven't had time to listen to my podcast. But like, if I could do a week every week talking about gangbangs, I mean, that's my show. I like I thought for sure you were going to say you're busy, so I bet you haven't had time to have a gangbang recently. <laughs> and I was like, I would make time. No, actually on the show, and I don't know if this makes it into the actual episode, but there is a time where I discuss how human beings evolved to gangbang. Um, what? We, mm-hmm. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You got to tell it here. You got to, you're saying there was an evolution, like the gangbangs is like a normal human thing? So this is a theory, um, but it's based on the idea that like women in all cultures, female people make noises with sex, right? They're called female copulatory vocalizations. And anything that takes place in all cultures is pretty much guaranteed that it, we evolved that way, right? Because it's, it's beyond just culture, it's biology. Okay. So why is it that all females make noise during sex? Well, the theory goes that it was to let other mating males in the area know that there is a female of the species who is sexually available so that they would come and also mate with her, thus increasing the odds that she would bear a child. And that's how evolution works. So basically we evolved to gangbang. What? Oh my God, mind blown. I had no idea. Wow. Okay. This makes I mean, me how feel, would you know? I, this makes me feel so much better. All right. I should probably be just having a gangbang, I guess. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Caitlin, Caitlin, I said you before we got on here. You're my dream guest because I love sex. I've I don't even I was trying to think about because I was going to ask you what the moment was where you said you know I'm going to be a sex psychologist because that that has to that's an interesting career choice. Yeah, you know I made that career choice. I knew I was going to talk about sex for a living, help people have better sex when I was like in high school, because I was a horny kid. So I figured out how to masturbate from a very young age. Thankfully, no one ever told me to not do it or that it was dirty or anything. And then I got to high school, right? And I already have this like kind of I'm already interested in having sex with my boyfriend. I'm like already like a little pervy 13 year old girl. And I get to school, and they you know they blast this image on the projector of six foot wide syphilitic genitals. I'm looking at this, and I'm like, that is not what I've been enjoying in the privacy of my own bedroom. I'm like, why are we not talking about how good that feels? And this is not you know this, this is like teaching uh, 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 drivers ed, but only talking about car accidents, right? Instead of talking about driving for pleasure to get from point A to point B. So I think I knew and I made up in my mind like then and there that that's what I was going to do for a living. And, you know, the the way that I got to coaching, I'm not a psychologist, I'm a coach. The way that I got there was just very organic, trying to figure out how to have the most impact on people in a way that felt good for me. 
When you were in high school doing sex ed classes, because you're right, it's just always like all the negative, like scary things and how like you can't have sex because you'll get pregnant for the first time, which I mean, does happen. But I mean, you know, it's always out of fear. Were you the person in the class like objecting the whole time and you were like, I'm sorry, I'm masturbating and it's great over here. Like were they- I was more the girl in the Burger King bathroom with her friends, helping them, walking them through their pregnancy tests. You know, I was a kid, a guy called me, a friend, a friend of a friend called me and goes, Hey, Caitlin, I put icy hot on my balls and now it really, really hurts. What do you think I should do? And I'm like 15, you know, I was like, uh, isn't your dad a doctor? Like, why are you asking me? But that was very natural for me. Wow. So it's, yeah. Okay. That's so cool. I love when people know from a very early age what they want to do and you knew you were going to be a sex coach. Yeah. Yep. I don't think this was my first uh, lifetime with that as my mission. Um, so I, you know, obviously I'm watching your new show, Good Sex on Discovery Plus, you know? Yeah. I mean, amazing, right? What's amazing about the show, there's a lot of things. But I mean, is it is it revolutionary? The couples on that are featured on the show are actually physically having sex. Mm-hmm. Did you have to? Did you and the producers like have to do a lot of coaching? I mean, I, I was just like, I had to hit pause because I'm like, how did they get ordinary people to agree to have cameras in their room and have sex? That's pretty right. amazing. It's so amazing. And I'm so excited that we were able to get such excellent people interested in the show because everyone in the show really wanted to improve and transform their sex life. Right. So us asking them to put cameras in their bedroom wasn't you know, that big of a stretch for those people who really care to actually get it done. Right? They're like, if this is what it takes, this is what it takes. But the nice thing about having cameras in the bedroom and then showing that is that like, you know, it's 2022. We see people having sex all the time. Like porn is so ubiquitous. There's probably someone listening to this and watching porn at the same time. Like there's just so much video of people having sex and we all have an experience of sending nudes and right. Like this is kind of, you know, we've been doing this. We, we carry a little porn studio around in our pocket 24 seven. Right. But we still mostly see people that are like conventionally attractive, white, thin, big breasts, big cocks, et cetera. The nice thing about this show is that you see totally normal people having sex the same way that normal people do. And I think that's so important because porn has a time and a place, but that is not how most people have sex. And I think we really need to counteract that message that like sex doesn't have to look like it typically does on uh, on green on orange tube, you know. So okay, so it sounds like you guys okay these couples were kind of in such a state where they they want to be more sexually liberated. They were okay with being on like that. That's pretty amazing, right? You you didn't yeah, have to do a lot of coaching. No, I don't know that I would use the term sexually liberated. I think that they were just like, if this is what, like, I want to work with Caitlin V. Uh, you know, I'm, I've, I've, I've got a long history of being a sex coach and pretty well known in my field. So for people who really wanted to come work with me, they're like, you know, it's not maybe what I thought I was going to be doing, but if it's going to help you to get where you're trying to go, I'm willing to do it. And, you know, they say like a picture is worth a thousand words. You can describe all day what your sex looks like, right? But a video, I know like that, exactly what's going on. And it actually helped me to get so much deeper, so much faster. Wow. I mean, I just, I think that alone is like revolutionary about the show. I mean, totally. yeah. Um, well, I want to go back and then we'll, we'll come back to the show because the couples and their situations are, are pretty interesting. So, okay, you 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 realize that this is your passion. You, you want to get into coaching sex. It, 
so tell me this. It, it seems like over the years, your focus is really on men, right? To really help mm-hmm. men. Okay, well, that's fascinating to me because you identify right as a bisexual woman. Mm-hmm. Why the focus on guys? Like, okay. I, I, so, yeah. Yeah, so, so what you're referring to is like my internet presence, right? Which my YouTube channel, I've got about half a million subscribers on there. It's mostly oriented towards men. I've made a handful of internet like courses, video courses for men, and I run a men's group as well. But in my private coaching, I work with women and I work with couples, but my internet presence is really targeted towards men. And Sarah, I went to grad school. I identify as queer. I was the head of the queer student organization. Every like, there, I studied women who have sex with women and men when I was getting my master's degree and started to work in my doctorate. Like, I never thought in a million years that my specialty would be in teaching men right. <laughs> on how to be better lovers. Like, that was not part of my plan. Um, but what happened is that I early on in my career was featured in a YouTube video on a channel that was about helping shy guys get dates. And that was a squirting video, which you can find very easily. If you search squirting on Google, you will almost a hundred percent find me uh, right away. I'm like the, the squirting queen of the internet. It has something like 15 million views, right? And it's with this guy trip. It, it, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that, that's watched... the video that really launched me on YouTube because yeah. up until then I was a researcher. I was doing, you know, coaching kind of on the, uh, casually. And then I got featured in this YouTube video. It blew up overnight. I mean, I think that was six or seven years now and it got 6 million views right off the bat. So all of a sudden, all of these guys who were interested in squirting came to me for coaching and who's really interested in squirting for the most part, it's guys that feel that they cannot perform in bed, right? So they have premature ejaculation or erectile dysfunction. So they want to learn how to make a woman squirt as sort of this like parlor trick that makes up for the things that they fear that they lack. So all of a sudden I went from working with, you know, other queer women and, 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 and straight women, people that I identified more along the lines with to guys that were dealing with premature ejaculation. But here's the thing, the reason that I continued to do that and why I have made such a huge point of addressing men on the internet is because my larger mission in life is to elevate consensual, pleasurable, positive, shame-free sex and to end rape. Right. Mm. And so much of the narrative around sexual assault and rape is telling women not to get raped. Right. I mean, don't go out at night. Don't have too many drinks. Make sure you carry your keys in between your fingers. Sure. What is she wearing? Just all of that. Right. But actually, the people that we need to be talking to if we want to change the way that sex exists in our world is men. That's the people. And, you know, it's not a shame based conversation about you shouldn't be doing this. Right. My goal is to actually elevate men's experience of their sexuality to teach them that, like, it's actually something that's sacred. It's actually special. Your your sexuality as a man is a gift to women, not something you have to contend with or force on them. Oh my God. I fucking love it. And I mean, like as if men need more gifts, you know, to give to, to women. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I know so many confident men. It's like, oh my God, they're going to be signing up with you. Now they can give us the great gift of sex. But it it is, what a great mission. Tell me how it correlates. How do you think healthy sex correlates with less rape because to me when I mm-hmm. think of a rapist you know you think of somebody that has a lot of trauma you know probably from their mm-hmm. past, you know a lot of violence maybe they were abused by a mother figure you know I don't know I don't equate it with healthy sex how do those two connect right and let's make a distinction that there there is a big difference between rape which is forced right versus sex that's just non-consensual but for me 
a lot of rape, we, when we think of rape, we tend to think of like somebody in a trench coat jumping out of the bushes and yeah. like attacking a young drunk woman in the park at night. But like actually rape, including my own, for the most part happens with someone that we're already in an environment with that may be sexually charged or maybe it's a date or maybe we're friends. And then it becomes sexual and then it moves beyond our ability to say no and protect ourselves and set boundaries. And so we end up having sex forced on us or penetration being forced on us. And so I'm using that term very broadly because what I actually want to end on planet earth is sex. That's not consensual, not pleasurable, or takes place inside of shame. Right. And for the most part, 80 to 90% of all sexual assaults are perpetrated by men. And I actually think that men, and it's a small percentage of men, right? It's not, it's not all of them. Sure. Sure. Um, But I actually think that if we could give those men an opportunity to know that their sexuality is sacred, that it's something that's actually like beautiful, that it's something that they, they have, they should have the access to and um, that they should be able to express that. Like my hope is that they would not um, get that, like transfer that on, as you said, transfer that trauma that they experience around their sexuality on through to someone else. Right. And through, yeah. yeah. And then, on the other end of that spectrum, it's just like, I actually just want women to have great sex. Like, this is my way of working with women, right? Like, I don't, I'm not working with women directly in YouTube, at least. But what I can do is make sure that the guy that she's with is giving her the best sex of her life, giving her orgasms, pleasing her, not penetrating her too soon, not causing any sort of trauma, not pushing past her. No, like, that's my gift to women, but I'm giving it through men. Damn, girl, you are doing it. You are helping us out. I love it. What do you think it is, though? I mean, you have seen so many clients over the year, years. What is it that really that that we all kind of are still like not, um, you know, able to explore our sexuality and have these healthy conversations? You know, I have a theory. You can just tell me if I'm right or wrong. But, you know, to me, it's religion. I feel like religion is the single-handed thing. And, I mean, I'm Catholic. I go to Mass. I, You know, but for some, whatever reason, I guess my parents could always differentiate, I guess. Like, you know, we're going here. This is a spiritual experience. You should take the things you like. You don't have to d- take the things you don't like. And I never got the Catholic sex guilt and all that stuff. But to me, it always comes back to religion. You know, I mean, we're these my friends that were raised so strict religious, you know, they, they had so many sexual issues later. You know, they couldn't have orgasms. Mm-hmm. They'd all in it, not necessarily dark, but just things like, but is it is it one thing that you, you know, that you can really pinpoint because you've seen so many clients? What is it? Well, you make a great point in that there are people that are raised in the exact same religion that have completely different experiences of sex and sexuality. And I've spoken to so many religious people um, and I've worked with a lot of clients that were very religious. I mean, even uh, from uh, Orthodox Jews all the way to Midwestern Catholics, like you name it. I have worked with a lot of people who wanted to have better sex. And a lot of people really get that, especially if you have a a religious um, foundation, that sex is something that God created for people to enjoy. Right. So there are plenty of people that, that like fully subscribe to that. Um, you know, maybe he puts some, if you believe in the patriarch in the sky, like he put some stipulations on it, right? Like he said, it has got to be between a man and a woman and only if they're married, et cetera, et cetera. But at least they can get that on a physiological level. There's a reason that sex feels good and it was designed to feel good and be a source of pleasure for humans. But then you add the culture around that and everyone's household is different. So I've talked to people who grew up in non-religious households that were 
very sex negative and people who grew up in religious households that were pretty sex positive. So I think it has a lot to do with the overarching culture, especially in the United States, because we were we were formed. The foundation of our country is puritanical. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. totally. Coming from England going, ah, it's too liberal over here. We got to we need to batten it down. Right. So that is the foundation of our culture. And so it kind of just seeps into everything. Yes. Oh, my God. If you were teaching sex ed in every high school, if you were tapped to do the sex ed curriculum for every middle school and high school Mm. in this country, what would the program be? Oh, that is such a fun question. So what I would encourage all people to do, and this is true for young people and people of all ages, is to start by exploring their own body. If you recall, I don't remember, it was the uh, the Secretary of Health and Human Services under Clinton recommended masturbation be taught to all kids, masturbation be taught to all youth. She actually got fired um, say- for saying that. But you know what? The, the shame is that that's actually really, really good advice because one of the reasons that I think that I enjoy sex like I do today, I have orgasms easily, like I, I feel very free and open. It's not because I'm a sex coach. It's because I figured out how to masturbate when I was like three and no one ever told me I was doing anything wrong. So I had the experience of of having pleasure from myself. And by the way, there's evidence that literally fetuses in utero self-pleasure. Okay. We are touching our genitals before no, we are really? even born. Any parents out there, you know that your kids are kind of naturally attracted to touching themselves. Like this is sexuality as a whole. Isn't something that gets, you know, that it's like bestowed on us when we reach adulthood. We are, we have a body that engages uh, in different ways and feels different depending on what you do to it. And that's not wrong or bad or dirty. It's not even sexual in nature, right? Wow. It's, it's, it, it, it does not have to be such a big source of shame. It's actually adults that feel such shame around it. And then we pass that on to kids. Kids touch their bodies and they don't really, this feels interesting and this tickles. And so what I would actually recommend is that we teach people how to pleasure themselves. And this is because when they then are starting to engage with other people, they know what works for them. They know how sex is supposed to feel. I mean, the number of women that I talked to who are like, I just thought sex was supposed to hurt. I thought sex was not supposed to feel good. I thought that pain was normal. I mean, at one point or another, 60% of women, depending on who you ask or how you survey them, have experienced pain during sex. And I actually think it's probably a lot higher. And it's not just because they gave birth or because their partner wasn't good at foreplay, whatever. It's because we expect for sex to be a painful experience. And the same is true a little bit for men. We expect sex to be kind of a specific, a specific sort of performance for them. And I think that if you just have a sexual relationship with yourself, you can actually bring a lot more into the bedroom that you share with a partner once you are of an age where you can give consent. Okay, I'm making an assumption here just from like what I've seen and listened to about to about you, but you seem kind of porn positive. Which is, maybe I'm, just correct me if I'm wrong here, but, you know, I was curious about that because, um, you know, we hear porn is really bad, at least, you know, you read that a lot now in the media for expectations of what young people think sex is. What's Mm -hmm. your take on porn? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. Porn has a time and a place, and it's not all the time, all the places, right? Um, I think that porn is really great for for exposing people to new and different ideas of ways that sex can look and be. 
And that is only if you expose yourself to a wide variety of porn. And I'm talking about porn with different body types and different design, different genders and different sexual orientations and, and kinky porn and, you know, porn that porn that moves more slowly and, and people that have a tantric or an energetic connection. Like in that sense, porn is the greatest library of creative ideas that has ever existed. And at the same time, we have never had such unfiltered access to graphic content of people having intercourse than we have ever had at this exact moment. And it's only increasing. Like I remember when I was growing up, uh, you internet porn was just starting. That's how old I am. And there are things that I saw when I was a teen that like, I can never unsee, you know, and, yeah. and kids today, what they have access to is a thousand, maybe 10,000 times, whatever existed back when I was, uh, uh, uh forming my opinions on this. So Want your life back? Order Hungry Root. It's actually as simple as that. Truly, Hungry Root is the best meal kit service I have ever worked with because they have meals that take 12 minutes. Guys, if you are a busy mom like I am, KJ now just started swim lessons. And on the night that he has swim lessons, we're not home until six. I'm trying to make dinner, trying to get him rested and down for bedtime. When I see that number 12, and I know in 12 minutes I can have a healthy meal, I'm turned on. All right? <laughs> You will be too. Hungry Roots website, so easy to use as well. You just go, you can type in a type of cuisine or if you like chicken, or you can do preset where you tell them you're vegetarian, keto, or you're a meat lover. Right now, get 40% off. My listeners are getting 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash TSFS and get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash TSFS. Don't forget to use my link so they know who sent you and get 40% off right now and free veggies for life. Hero Breads. Oh my gosh. Chef's kiss. Do you love carbs? I'm obsessed. Give me a croissant. Give me a tortilla, baby, every day, slathered with some hummus. Yes, please. And then a lot of veggies, a little turkey burger in it. Okay. Um, that's my own proprietary sandwich. Thanks. <laughs> Hero Breads right now offering 10% off. Go to hero.co. Enter the promo code TSFS. You are getting 10% off. Now, Hero Bread is so delicious and flavorful, soft, fluffy. In fact, so fluffy that KJ loves it slathered with butter and cinnamon every day. They're known for their products to have zero to one grams of net carbs, zero sugar, and high in fiber. So what are you waiting for? Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code TSFS at checkout. That's TSFS at H-E-R-O dot C-O. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it up into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. 
10 years ago, I lost 60 pounds mindful eating, and today I have kept the weight off. I never think about food. I never count calories. Honey, I don't even use one of those darn trackers or apps. I live with food freedom, and I want that for you if you are ready and you want it. And that's where My Optimal Body comes into play. Visit MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment, and be sure to let them know that the Sarah Fraser Show sent you so you can qualify for a free personalized assessment plus a bonus free 30-day supply of their gut repair product when you sign up for a customized plan. That is myoptimalbody.com to request an appointment. Why I wanted to partner with Dr. Applin is because he is a doctor that gets to the cellular and gut reason of why you can't lose weight and keep it off. They also work with your mental capacity as well. So many of us are emotional eaters. They address that and their clients see long-term success. If you are ready to lose weight, keep it off, and you don't want to do crazy Ozempic, myoptimalbody.com and tell them the Sarah Fraser Show sent you. Do you hear that? That is the sound of the brand new and delicious You Natural Conception for her in their juicy strawberry gummy flavored. Oh my, this is now my favorite thing to take. It's a fertility aid. If you haven't heard about them, they are unbelievable with thousands of five-star reviews on Amazon. Go and read them for yourself. And they're famous for their conception for her and conception for him formula, which Schman, my hubby, has been taking for over a month because it takes two to tango. Conception for her fertility aid is a well-researched baby. They have ingredients like ashkawanda, zinc, magnesium that can help you on that journey to have a healthy baby. So what are you waiting for? Go and order now. You're going to love it and I want to hear from you. Check out You Natural on Amazon and use code FRASER20 for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle. That's EU Natural on Amazon or follow the link on our website for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle with the promo code Fraser 20. That's F R A S E R. The number's two zero. I think that internet, and, and I'm saying internet porn in particular, can be a great source for creativity, but it should not be accessible to anyone who doesn't have the uh, capacity, mm. the brain development of an adult who's able to differentiate between real and fake studio and not like these are, you know, porn, porn performers are professionals. They're chosen not just because of their anatomy, but um, because they, they, that is genuinely what they want to do. They warm up just like professionals do. Um, you know, when we have the expectation that like, oh, you know, I saw a woman in porn who was able to have sex with this giant object it looks like she just you know arrived at the hotel room and was able to do that but what you don't know is that she actually warmed up like you know those are muscles she's a professional so i think that porn is dangerous when we have too much access to it too much early on and it's also true that i see a lot of guys who are dealing with what i call porn induced erectile dysfunction Mm. where they're actually not able to get and stay hard when they're with their real, you know, flesh and blood lover because they have trained themselves to be so reliant on porn that their body actually doesn't function the same way without it. Wow. And mm -hmm. how does it impact women? Do women have any sort of stifles from watching porn? Yeah, like I think it gives women unrealistic expectations about their body, their pleasure, what they should be able to enjoy, how, you know, how pleasure even looks, right? If you're not... <laughs> then you're not enjoying it. And that's just not the case. Is there any um, sexual fantasy that even you have a hard time uh, understanding? Like I've had a woman on my show that's married to her chandelier and like has sex with it. I find that oh, yeah. one. Objectum, objectum sexual. Yeah. 
I find that one a little hard to understand. You know, I, I'm like, I've had everybody on this show from a porn star who's now a pastor, a woman that's had sex with a chandelier. I've had a guy who's very fascinating, you know, who claims he's not a, uh, you know, he says he's a sexual affirmation therapist, not a conversion therapist. And he's very adamant about this. I've had a lot of people on my show about different things in sex. Mm-hmm. That one, I have a hard time. I, I, I just saying to myself, I, I don't, what pleasure are you getting from fucking a chandelier? You know, I've had in my coaching practice a lot of people who have come through who for whom what they're interested in or what gets them off is just so not for me. And even like close friends and lovers um, who have had interests and things that just really weren't for me. But, you know, my job as a coach is just to hold that like really compassionate, neutral space and affirm and validate whatever it is that they're into. You're this is why you do what you do. And I don't because (laughs) I love. I love giving no shame, but then at some point I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's the glass candelabra. I can't get into fucking this. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have some curiosity around. I would try. I'd try the chandelier for sure. Yeah. I would definitely give it a go. I, I've, I'll try anything once, you know, as long as we're, it's all adults and we're consenting. And I have it that a chandelier would be consenting to me because I, I love glitter, sparkles, and fancy things. So I think oh we God. would be on the same page. Um, t- you know, so I brought up some of the guests that have been on my show, but I also think we're we're in an age, right, where more and more we we are talking about sex. I mean, do you think that it's headed in a good direction? I mean, it seems like, you know, obviously Goop, I feel like kind of kicked mm-hmm. off, you know, a little bit of what you guys are doing. Now, your show is like a whole nother level beyond Goop. I mean, do you think we're like going in the right direction? Do you think as a culture here in America, we're changing or do you think, no, we mm, still. Great question. First of all, definitely shout out to sex, love and goop and my mentor Jaya, who's the first person. Uh, she's like the main, main plot line, at least of the first episode of the show. Wait, is Jaya one of the participants or is she one of the therapists? She's one of the coaches and she does the erotic blueprints. So if you watch Scoop and she does uh-huh. like the energetic, sensual, sexual, kinky, and she's like the guy's painting the woman and they end up, uh, oh, I don't want to give away the end if you haven't seen it, but it's great. Highly recommend that oh, you watch Goop. I watched and- it. My, I made my husband watch it too. I mean, you know, and, and my husband, Phenomenal. it's great. It's, it's good to see my husband over the years come out of his shell more because I don't even know how I became like so sexual, but um, you know, it's, it's fun. It's fun to watch with him because your shows and like good sex, you end up getting aroused, even though you kind of like one couple on goop is like down sniffing each other on all yeah, fours. And you're pretty like, funny. My husband's like, we're never doing this. But by the end of the show, you're kind of turned on. Maybe we should crawl around and become <laughs> our like animals. You know, I'll play a sheep and you play a wolf. Let's go. It's really fun. But what I, what was different about this show, good sex and goop is that goop is very much in sort of the energetic and sensual. It's giving us a very soft, version of sex that's not so genital focused it's not so direct on it's a lot more energy a lot more tantra and my show is uh, has some of that for sure but it also brings it home a lot more makes it a lot more practical we're talking about you know sex and genitals and orgasms as well as the energy and the emotional connection and the playfulness that we see inside of the goop show but to answer your question I think that we're, as a country in the United States in particular, uh, we're headed in two different directions. Our media is really headed in this very sex positive way, streaming, like my shows on Discovery Plus. Streaming is what is allowing us to have an expanded conversation, a more nuanced conversation about sex and sexuality than we were able to have in more traditional media and on cable. 
And at the same time, we're also seeing a backlash against that at a cultural level. And we're moving towards a little bit of sex shame and negativity uh, um, in inside of our institutions, right? So I think this is a really interesting time and it's going to be probably a little bit longer before we settle this sort of like clash that's happening. But yeah. You know, that's that's how all interesting things, really cool paradigm shifts come about because there's two very polar, seemingly very polar opposites that come into conflict with another and something else new emerges. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Um, all right. I also think what's really fascinating right now, too, and then we'll talk about the show, is um, sexuality, right? I feel like more than ever, you know, people, especially Gen Z, you see people identifying as they, um, you know, you see different pronouns. This this conversation is mm-hmm. coming up. And the sexual affirmation therapist that I had on was fascinating in the way that he feels sexuality is a spectrum, you know, that, that you can, you know, if if you do lean towards you're attracted to men, maybe there's a psychological reason you are, then you can be attracted to women. What's you, I mean, you, you identify as a bisexual woman. You, you've obviously had every client under the sun. What's your take on our sexuality? Do you think we're just like born with one sexuality? Do you think it can change? Fun question. Um, Wait, so before we go on, I want to know what the sexual affirmation therapist is. He like, confirming that you can be straight even though you're attracted to same-sex partners like I feel like I affirm people affirming is a main component of my job but I'm affirming that they you know what feels good to them is worthy and, and valid um yeah I think that's the way he frames it too he's in Virginia Christopher oh my god I gotta get his last name for you um because he does fascinating work but very low-key because um you know I think he's been accused of um and you know that's kind of up for you can read all about him, um, you know, the conversion therapy. But he denies that and says that, yeah, he basically says, like, he has patients that come that are really sexually conflicted. Maybe they're having sex with men, but they don't feel like they really, that really works for them. But they are not totally attracted to women. And so he sort of counsels them, I guess, to figure out. And he says, because he, he was in a gay relationship for a long time, then he married his wife. You know, he says that he has a lot of men that come and see him and then end up deciding they are gay or stay gay. Um, So it's a very, yeah, it's like a very layered thing. But it does seem like some people, I guess, maybe start out gay and then they decide they're not. It's it's fascinating to me, you know. Well, and I think that I I agree um, with. I think the emerging philosophy around sex and sexuality, and you mentioned Gen Z and they're really like carrying the totem, but this is not new. It's just new that so many people inside of one generation have alignment and agreement on these concepts and these theories. Like I learned about these in queer theory when I was an undergrad and they far predated me, but they're just gaining a lot of momentum, which is that sexuality is fluid and gender expression is unique and very highly individual. So the way that I do women and females different the way that you do women and females is going to be different than every person who listens doing women and female. And the more that we can uh, dislodge that from something that we have to do in a particular way and find the way that we personally want to express, like that hasn't changed how I identify in terms of my gender, just changed the way how I feel 
I don't feel like I'm forced to wear dresses or makeup or shoes anymore. Like I choose to wear makeup and dresses because I really love the way that I feel in them. Right. And this is a small distinction, but it can be the world in terms of your, your mental and emotional and energetic well-being. It's like, why are you choosing to do the things that you do? Is it because that's true for you? Sexuality on the other side, on the other hand, uh, is, and those two things are separate, right? We have gender on one hand, which is male, female, non-binary and how we identify and the pronouns that we use. And then sexuality, which is who we're attracted to, who we fantasize about and who we actually have sex with, because those could be three different things as well, right? I can find myself really attracted to androgynous people and non-binary and the they, thems like, oh my God, so hot. And I can fantasize about having sex with cisgender, heterosexual men. And I could be actually having sex with my girlfriend right? We can be all over. We can actually make a lot of distinctions in between those. And I think as we continue to unpack and kind of untie the knot that was gender is this way, sexuality is that way. Like you're a man or a woman, you're attracted to the opposite. The more nuance that we introduce into that conversation, the more that we learn that sexuality really is fluid. So that the, the man that you were just talking about, Chris, his experience may have been that he was highly attracted to men, that he was having sex with men. Now he's having sex with a woman. Maybe he still finds himself attracted to men on occasion and women on occasion. And maybe he still fantasize. Maybe he fantasizes about having sex with dragons, you know, or <laughs> chandeliers, as it were. So it's very nuanced. And I think what I'm so excited about and the way that we're moving in this in this culture towards is a conversation that really prizes self-expression at an individual level and freedom to express the way that is right for you in this moment without having to identify along what you're doing right now or the way that you, you identify right now um, across the rest of your life. Maybe nuance is a good word for people to think about because it is we are in this interesting space, I think, where, you know, you have celebrities like Demi Lovato, right? Sometimes she identifies as she, her, and then they, them. And I think when she puts it out there, you know, there's always this debate of does it make a mockery of, you know, your identity, right? So maybe nuance does is a good Does using they, them make a mockery? Well, no, because she changes. Like, Sometimes she identifies mm. as she, her. Then sometimes it's they, them. So I think when you read the comments, right, a lot of people find it to be, you know, I, I hate to use the word crazy, but I think sometimes people don't think that it brings legitimacy to like what you're doing or to um, people that truly identify as just they, them, because it seems flip-floppy. I think that's what people are yeah. struggling to understand, you know, but... I think people really love consistency and they love stability, especially around identity. It makes people very uncomfortable to think that your identity can shift over time because identity is where a lot of people find peace and comfort, right? You wake up every day knowing I'm a Catholic, I'm a woman, I'm white, I'm you know, like whatever it is that your individual identities are. I'm middle-class, I'm a Corvette driver, right? When we have stability inside of those identities, we have a box and a platform from which to operate in the world. And the very notion that those things may not be stable can feel really unsafe and destabilizing. And I think that's why people, uh, you know, of, of especially of older generations, have so much pushback against they, them, and allowing people to change the pronouns that they want to be called or the way that they identify themselves and their gender and their sexuality is because it feels very unsafe 
But once you see enough people who are doing that, who are in the conversation around, you know, this is how I'm feeling right now today. Right now, I am feeling like they, them pronouns represent me better. And I, you know what, tomorrow I may feel, I may want to go back to she, her, or I may want to try on he, him. Once you recognize that that actually has nothing to do with our internal stability and just has everything to do with like what we see as the cultural institutional stability, but actually doesn't threatens any, it, it threatens no one's way of life for me to shift in my gender expression on a day-to-day basis. Like food's still going to get delivered. Papers are going to come out in the morning. Cows will give milk. Like nothing is going to change. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's fascinating. We're in this whole new, um, you know, whole new thing that we've never, you know, as a society kind of faced. So it's very interesting. Um, good sex, obviously, I, I, when we started talking about this, the couples were willing to have sex on Mm -hmm. camera. How involved were you in picking their stories, right? We see one guy who struggles to keep an erection. Um, you know, we see another couple, she was raised very religiously, um, Mm -hmm. you know, has never really kind of enjoyed sex with her husband. Another couple that, you know, uh, haven't had sex since they had a baby. How were you involved in selecting the couples and why'd you pick the ones that you picked? Yeah. So first off, I just want to give a shout out and a a moment of recognition and acknowledgement to all of the couples who were so courageous so as to allow cameras into their bedroom. Right. I couldn't believe it. I had to pause. I go, wait a minute. This isn't like the couple. They're not like having sex. Like the couples that we just saw in the confessionals. I'm like, no, they are. This is like huge. They are. And they're real. Right. They're not doing it because. Um, I don't know, a, a producer asked them to do it, right? Like they're doing that because they really want help from from a coach and they really want to change the way that they relate sexually. And I just I I just think that it was such a huge, um, a huge act of generosity on all of these couples' parts to share so boldly because you know, for for Ben, who you see in episode one talking about his erectile dysfunction, like this is not something that men are generally allowed to talk about, right? This is not something that they're going out having a you know a couple of beers together on the golf course and talking about how they're yeah. struggling to get hard. How incredibly generous uh, it is for him to come out and say that um, uh, inside of this context, because you know, honestly, forty percent of men at the age of forty are dealing with ED. That's a tremendous number of men. Yeah, it's fifty percent by age fifty, sixty percent by sixty, seventy percent by seventy. It goes up from there, right? And especially someone like Ben, who's already has his testosterone levels checked, has already been to the doctor. Like he's a perfectly healthy human being, and he cannot get erect. It has nothing to do with his physical body, right? And therefore, taking the little blue pills don't doesn't work for him right this is so common and yet it is something that uh, almost none of the men that uh, see me on youtube or uh, our, our followers or fans or subscribers are aware of so to answer your question um when the direction that i gave on who i wanted to work with on the show was people who had some of the most common challenges that people face inside of their bedrooms erectile dysfunction uh, which is more common than premature ejaculation, but just by a sliver. Uh, women who can't have orgasms with their partners. By the way, 92 plus percent of women are able to have orgasms in solo play or if they're in a uh, queer or lesbian relationship with another woman. And yet the orgasm gap that exists between heterosexual women and heterosexual men is enormous, uh, something like 40% wow. difference in how frequently people have orgasms during straight sex. So it's not that women's orgasms are strange or hard to come by, right? It's that they don't happen inside of straight sex. So these are some of the main things that I wanted to make sure that we addressed on the show. 
Oh, they're so good. And I mean, I love to. What is what is the um, thought process, I guess, behind this? But um, the guy that had the erectile dysfunction, you even at one point encouraged him to give gratitude to his penis. I was like, yeah. I've never even heard this. This is so fascinating. What is this? This is something what, I use really I, often with my clients. Really? What does that yeah. do? What does that do to well, a man psycholo- like psychologically? That was like, I've never even heard of that. I love when I hear things like that. Totally. 10, 11 out of 10 recommend to everyone listening, no matter what your genitals are, give them a big old thanks today. Huge, huge, huge amount it. of gratitude for them. So, women have a totally different relationship with vulvas and vaginas, right? Um, we, we, for so many reasons, we're just in a relationship with them that involves a lot of like management, right? I'm managing a period or I'm managing to have orgasms or I'm not, or I've got yeast or whatever. Like there's sort of a constant ongoing management relationship. Men's relationship. I mean, I I hope that your relationship people listening is actually way more based in pleasure, but I know for a lot of us, it comes down to management. Men's relationship to their genitals is usually one of performance. So they're they're wanting their their guy, their cock, to get up right when he's supposed to get up, stay up, and not get off until exactly the right moment. And unfortunately, for a lot of men, probably the majority, if we look over the course of their entire life, it just doesn't always operate that way, right? He just he's not always available when you want him to be. Yeah. You know, I used to like the 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 human penis is like the um it's the one uh, indicator that you cannot just override. Like a guy will be like, yeah, I want to have sex and I'm, I'm into it and his heart and his mind are on board. But if there's anything going on where he actually doesn't want to, right? There's some resentment in the relationship. He, oh. He's actually afraid. He will not be able to get hard. But we have to, the culture says men get hard when they're turned on and that's that. And they always want sex and you should be able to last as long as you need to. So often this is the way that men are relating to their penis is this like it's just not enough. He's not enough. He's not doing it right. And so I tell them, like, let's shift this relationship into gratitude. You know, he's only ever been there to give you pleasure, to give you orgasms. You know, in Ben's case, Ben has kids. So he gave him some kids like can we talk about all of the great things that he's done for you before we shame him for not performing, you know, right when you ask him to? I fucking love it. I mean, I do a gratitude journal like once a week and I never thank my vagina. And I'm like, I am thanking her. I'm like, I got to thank my ovaries who have carried a child, like produced a child. I got to thank my vagina. I mean, it was so good. Uh, orgasms but, fun connection emotional closeness like the great relationship that you have with your husband uh, and i highly recommend for people who have vulvas yes. and vaginas get a mirror out we see this also we're going to see this in the show one of our uh one of my clients does some really beautiful mirror work where all she does is get a mirror out and she looks her vulva direct she looks at her directly right she looks at her vulva directly in the mirror and since female people and people with vulvas and vaginas don't have the ability to see our genitals without the help of a mirror. I highly recommend that you do that. I hope that it changes the way that you relate to your body. Oh my God. Look, you're a treat. I just, I, the show is so good. Did you, did you always want to be on TV? You just seem like a natural fit for this show. I'm like, great casting. Like, I think my, I want to do anything that it takes to advance my mission of people having better sex. 
And um, obviously I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity to do it inside of this format. It's been a tremendous uh, experience. It's been such a great joy to create this show. And I'm so proud of what we created together. Me, the producers, Discovery Plus, like uh, the way, the thing that we have made um, is going to impact people very positively for a very, very, very long time. Um, And I'm just so honored to be a part of it. What a great mission. Um, Well, people can find you almost every you know, if you type in Caitlin V. Neal, you come up, you know, like you said, everything and, and that squirting video will live in yep. infamy. You know, it's really good. <laughs> That's yeah, like type how to one. make a girl squirt is the <laughs> yeah. name of the video. Is the, You'll find me. The best intro to you. Um, the show is Good Sex on Discovery Plus. That's coming out this month. Um, I hope you come back on my show. I mean, I could talk to you for two fucking hours. Everything under the sun about sexuality. And sex. it's so uh, We'll happily come back. Let's do it. We'll do it. We'll do it in a couple months and check in and see um, as the first season wraps because it. You're, what you do is amazing and um, yeah it's it's hard to like you know years and years of shame it's like hard to shift the movement but you're doing it one person at a time so it's really awesome thank you alright Caitlin so Bay great to have you on amazing <laughs> thank you <laughs> 